talking through some really, really fun things. Uh, things like pain, grief, guilt and shame, worry and anxiety. It's been so fun, hasn't it? It's been great. Uh, we've been talking through finding hope in those things. And we're going to continue with that. So much fun and excitement today as we talk about fear. Finding hope in fear. So as I was processing through this, I, I was reminded actually just, I think it was yesterday even, uh, of a story of when I was a kid, of some fear that I had. Uh, I remember, I think I was, I would guess, six or seven years old. And uh, we had watched a movie we got from the library, and it was like a fairy tales. And this one was Little Red Riding Hood. But the twist was it was like actual people acting it out. Okay, so it wasn't just an animated thing. It was actual people. And so I'm watching it, and I, I knew the story of Little Red Riding Hood. Nothing too crazy there. We all know the story, right? And so the crazy thing, though, for me was at the end when, like, Grandma and the wolf and all this stuff, and, like, they found out that it was the wolf and it wasn't Grandma, and the wolf took off at the very end down the path and just ran back into the woods. And then that was the end of the movie. In my brain the wolf was still out there and was going to come eat me. Oh yeah, it was real. To the point where for, this is really embarrassing, for years I could not sleep facing my bedroom window. I would sleep, my window was to this side of me, I would sleep on my right side every time because if I didn't see it coming in, then I was safe. Clear logic. Uh, <laughs> But if I was this way, I was safe. If I turned and faced the window, I had instant fear just, like, suffocate me. To this day, I still sleep on my right side. It is the craziest thing. I'm not scared so much that a wolf's going to come in my window anymore, but it still is a thing that it's developed to where I sleep on my right side because of that. Now, the thing about fear is we all know that feeling, right? We know the feeling that fear brings, the, the increased heart rate, the little bit of, like, anxiety, the, oh, no, what's going to happen? You kind of can tell when that fear kicks in. Because the thing is, fear is normal. We all have fear. We all have different types of fear. Sometimes it's fear of walking down a dark alley at night. Other times it's maybe fears of, like, spiders or snakes or close spaces, some of our phobias. Other times it's emotional pain, the defense of emotional pain. Sometimes it's just fear of death. We all have some sort of fear. Because the thing is, God gave us fear. Fear is a part of who we are. We all were created with that emotion, with that like, thing in us to have fear. Fear is one of the most common and powerful emotions that we have. So when I had kind of learned and landed on the fact that I was going to talk about fear today, I did what I do, and I uh, did research. I had, like, articles and articles and articles of psychology about fear because I wanted to understand that more. And I'm not going to go into all the depths of it because that would bore some of you to tears, but I just love knowing and trying to understand where does fear come from? How does it work? How does it operate in us? And it absolutely is a thing of that fear is not necessarily a bad thing. We all have it. It is common, and it is powerful. And as I was talking to some people and saying, hey, I'm going to be talking about fear coming up in my sermon, I actually had one person tell me, like, oh, yeah, but we don't need to fear. Fear is bad because we have, God didn't give us a spirit of fear. 
fear is a bad thing. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't think that's true as far as fear is bad. Fear can be a very, very good good thing. Fear in us is a protector. Fear can operate as, ooh, danger's coming. I need to do something. It protects us. It's an indicator of something in our surroundings is not right. Something is not okay. So it protects us. But then on the flip side, fear can also be a destroyer. When we don't actually step into fear, when we let fear consume us, fear can become a destroyer of who we are. We get so wrapped into anxiety and worry and doubt that it becomes almost immobilizing. Fear can paralyze us. We see this in history. I've told you guys before, like, I love history. But you look at things in the past of, like, Nazi Germany and different places. Anytime that there was a dictatorship, how did they get people to follow along? They infused fear into people. It paralyzed them, uh, manipulated them. And they were able to do incredible things all because they had fear in people. And when did it stop? When people stepped into their fear and said, no, no, not anymore. So then, as I was thinking through this whole fear thing and researching it, it came up so many times of, and this is common knowledge. I don't know why I was so like, oh, yay, wow. You guys would be like, wow, she's an idiot. Uh, but as I was reading about fear, it was like, uh, oh, yeah, we'll get back to that in a second. What's the healthy response to fear? Courage. How do you respond to fear? You take courage. You have to step into that fear. This is the part that I was like, this is so, like, this hit me. But it's common knowledge, but it's just hit me. That courage cannot exist without fear. Courage cannot exist without fear. We all want to be courageous, right? There's probably a part in all of us that are like, ooh, I want to have courage. But you have to have fear first because that is the first emotion that we have. So no, fear itself is not a bad thing. It's not a thing that we're like, oh no, that's, that's of Satan. Fear itself is something that God gave us. It's an emotion that we were given. It's what do we do with that? Where is our courage in this? And so as I was thinking through what Bible story, where do I want to go with this talk today? I was thinking through the sermon, I'm like, okay, so there's fear and there's courage. Where do I see courage in the Bible? So then I start Googling, like, courage in the Bible. Whoosh, right? Like, if you think about it, there's so many stories about courage in the Bible. And this is just a few highlights of the ones that I was even just pondering through. We have Moses leading the Israelites out of slavery. Joshua taking over from Moses. Deborah going into battle. David and Goliath. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Daniel and the lion's den. Esther. And then Jesus, in so many ways, confronting religious leaders, healing people, calming storms, and facing death. There's so many stories of courage from Genesis all the way to Revelation in the Bible where we see God's people stepping in to their fear and taking courage and having God by their side. So I was going through this, and I was like, oh my goodness, there's so much. Where do I land? Where do I go? Where do I want you guys to go on this journey with me today? And honestly, Wednesday, I was like, I got it. I had already figured it out. Like, I'd been sitting on it for about a week of we're going to talk about Joshua. And we're going to talk about how he led the people into the promised land. And then I came to church uh, Wednesday afternoon. I was sitting here, and all of a sudden it hit me. It hit me. Uh, the Holy Spirit hit me. and said, no, no, you're not doing that one. 
I said, oh, okay. What are we doing then, God? <laughs> like, what, where are we going? Uh, and I was led to the New Testament. And so we're going to look today in Matthew chapter 14. And so here we go, Matthew chapter 14. We're talking about Jesus here. And it says, immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake. Well, he sent the people home. You need a little backstory here. You notice right away, it says immediately after this. So what happened right before this? Right before this happened, where we're picking up today in our story, is Jesus had just fed the 5,000 people. So he had just been preaching to a massive crowd. He had taken the loaves and the fish. He had multiplied it. He fed 5,000 people. And then we're picking up right after that had happened. The disciples had collected all the food. People had dispersed. And Jesus insisted that the disciples go away. And so he could spend some time alone. So that's where we're picking up. Jesus had been completely surrounded by people. And then he sends the disciples back to the boat to cross the lake and said, see ya to all the people. All right? So immediately after that, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up to the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from the land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once, don't be afraid, take courage, I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over to the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshipped him. You really are the son of God, they exclaimed. So if you can picture this scene, Jesus has just fed all these people. He sends the disciples away. This is the part of Jesus I love, the introvert side. It's like my favorite. Not really, but also kind of true. Uh, so he sends them away because he's like, I've been around people for so long, and he just needs some time alone to recover, recover his soul, all this stuff. So the disciples are gone. And Jesus is alone, and then this storm picks up. And the disciples are in their boat, and they are feeling the waves, they're feeling the storm, it's coming around them. Now one thing to note here also is this is not their first rodeo with a storm. These are all expert fishermen, they know what they're doing on a boat. But then also in Matthew chapter 8, we see another story of a storm, where Jesus was actually on the boat with them, and an incredible storm hits, and they freak out, and they wake Jesus up, and Jesus kind of says the exact same thing to them again. He said, why do you have such little faith? And then he calms the storm. So now the disciples are having this happen again to them, where a huge storm's hitting. And yet this time, Jesus isn't there. So they're there, and they're probably trying to figure out all the things to do. I don't have a clue what you do on a boat other than freak out. But they were trying to do all the things. And so they're putting things together, doing what they're supposed to do. And it says it's 3 a.m., so you know they've been battling a storm for a while, and they're probably exhausted. 
and they look out in the horizon, and they see a figure. And it says that they think it's a ghost. And so I don't know what all that means. There's discrepancies in different uh, commentaries and different things of what exactly they might have thought that was, for sure. But point is, they didn't know exactly who it was or what was coming towards them. And then, all of a sudden, they realize, or Peter especially, realizes, I think that's Jesus. And he's walking on the water to them. Now, good, good old Peter. I love Peter. Uh, Peter is just that guy that's like, hey, I think it, I'm doing it, right? Like, there's not a whole lot of thought and act, like time between his thoughts and his actions. But I absolutely love that about Peter. So Peter sees this figure. He's pretty sure it's Jesus. He says, Jesus, if that's you, tell me to come out to you. And Jesus is like, yeah, come on. And so Peter takes that step into the waves, into the storm, out of the boat. And he's looking straight at Jesus. He's got his eyes focused on Jesus. And he starts doing it. And he's walking. Could you imagine? Like, for one, what Peter's thinking and feeling, like, oh, my word, this is happening. And then I think about, what about the disciples that are left in the boat? Can you imagine what they were thinking? Like, whoa, what is he? Oh, well, I want to do that, but no, that's scary. Like, I'm sure there were so many mixed emotions as they're watching their friend walk on water towards Jesus. And then all of a sudden, not sure exactly what happened, but for whatever reason, probably the storm, different things, Peter takes his eyes and his focus off Jesus. And what happens? He begins to sink. He loses his focus, and he begins to sink. And he cries out, like, Jesus, save me. And Jesus reaches out, grabs him, and pulls him up. Peter had so much courage to step out of that boat. What gave Peter that courage? Jesus. His focus was on Jesus. Peter was so focused on Jesus that I don't think he was even thinking very logically at all. That he was like, Jesus, I see you, I'm joining you. And he stepped out of fear into courage towards Jesus. But then, as soon as he lost his focus, Peter let fear become a destroyer of his faith. He let that fear overtake him and consume him because he took his focus off of Jesus. These guys at this point, these disciples, have seen Jesus do incredible things. They've seen him heal people. They just saw him feed 5,000 people with just a few fish and a few loaves of bread. He, they have seen amazing, amazing things. They know the power of Jesus. And so Peter, looking at him, is going, I've got courage because I know who this guy is. And then all of a sudden, he loses that focus and destroys a piece of his faith. And he begins to sink. Now, thankfully, Jesus is right there and pulls him back up. And there's a part in the story that even as I read it, I was kind of, ooh, what was Jesus doing here? When he says, he kind of, he's grabbing Peter and he says, you of little faith. And it sounds a little like he's talking down to Peter. But then I realized, too, Peter took the steps. What about the guys in the boat? I think Jesus isn't saying, like, oh, you stink. How dare you? I think he's like, oh, you have so much more room to grow. But I'm here for you. And takes him out of the water. And so we see here that Peter has let this, like, courage and the fear but it's all about the focus of Jesus and his identity in Jesus. So then 
as I was thinking about this too, I was thinking about the disciples and how they were raised in the Jewish culture and how they knew the Old Testament, like the words of the Old Testament, pretty much forward and backward. They knew it all. They knew all of those stories that I threw up earlier of the Bible, of courage. They knew them all. They knew who God was. They knew the identity of Jesus. They knew the identity of this God, this power. And so that brought me back to how can we step into courage? How can we step into fear? How did Peter know that he could trust Jesus? It's because the Old Testament is full of promises of God. Absolutely full. We see so many times where he's telling people, don't be afraid, have courage, I am with you. So I want to highlight just a couple of those verses that I found were just like key ones that I kept coming back to. The one that I told you is from Joshua. Uh, when Joshua was taken over from Moses, he was going to lead the Israelites. They'd been out of slavery. They'd been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. And it was Moses that led them through all of this. And then it came a time where God said, hey, Moses, you're done. Joshua, you're up. Joshua, I guarantee, was going, I cannot fill those shoes. And yet it says, I mean, in Deuteronomy, the end of Deuteronomy, I think it's no less than four times is a verse much like this quoted to Joshua. But here's what God says to Joshua and to the Israelites. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Those words are still so true for us today. That God that spoke those words is the same God that is still with us today, that was with Peter and with Jesus in that moment as well. Another verse that stood out to me, I was actually talking to a very, very dear friend of mine this week, and she was asking about the sermon, and I started talking about fear. And she was like, actually, one of my life verses is in Isaiah 41. And a little background on this friend. This is a friend of mine who has had a year. She has had five surgeries in the last year from cancer and from heart issues. Uh, it has been a whirlwind. We weren't sure if she was going to make it at certain points. It was just a crazy, crazy year for her. And she's doing better now. But as I was talking to her, she was like, this verse has gotten me through. And it's from the book of Isaiah. And here's what it says. It says, don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. And then it jumps to verse, a couple verses later. It says, for I hold you by your right hand. I, the Lord your God, and I say to you, don't be afraid. I am here to help you. I love that image, especially with verse 13. I hold you by your right hand. Don't be afraid. I'm here to help you. What incredible words. And even that illustration, too, of Jesus grabbing Peter. Don't be afraid. I'm here to help you incredible encouragement that we do not have to sit in our fear, but we can have courage. So what? So where do we go with this? How does it apply to us today? As I was thinking through all of those Old Testament examples and the promises of God and all the things, and, Jesus, and Peter looking at Jesus, it hit me the phrase, fix your eyes on Jesus, is what popped in my head. And that brought me to the chapter in Hebrews, uh, Hebrews 12. Uh, the writer of Hebrews, before he gets into this passage, he actually goes through a list of several Old Testament people that showed courage, who showed faith because they stepped into their fear. And then he, after going through the whole list of Bible characters and stories, he then jumps into this. He says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses 
to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. I love this part of fix your eyes on Jesus. That's the NIV version. Fix your eyes on Jesus. It means to gaze intensely. It's not just a quick glimpse. It's not just a quick like, oh, yep, he's there. Now I can go do this. It's to gaze intently. You ever had that moment where you just locked eyes with somebody? And you just gaze and you're like, oh, they see me, I see them. That's what the writer of Hebrews is saying. Fix your eyes intently on Jesus. Lock in on him. And then you can run this race called life. Because you have Jesus on your side. Now, when I was first uh, told I was preaching today, uh, I was a little, I think it was a last minute uh, insert into the series. Uh, Kirk kind of realized, like, oh, you haven't preached in a while, and he did the whole, like, pull out the pencil erase and put my name in. Uh, <laughs> as a result, uh, we didn't know what topic I was going to do. Everybody else had already filled out their topic, and so we were like, okay, we've got this Hope In series. And so he and I were sitting down, and we were like, what do you want to talk about? And I was like, well, I don't know. Like, I, we threw out a couple ideas, but I was like, I don't know, nothing's sitting great. I don't have a lot of ideas. And he was like, what about fear? And I went, oh, we could do that. And internally, my first thought was, yeah, that works, because I don't have fear. I don't struggle with that. <laughs> what you guys are doing is also what the Holy Spirit did to me in that moment. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I actually, I literally had that thought of like, I'm like, oh, that's cool. I'll have to talk to some people who struggle with fear, because it's not my thing, but I could preach on it. <laughs> and then I literally had that like, Holy Spirit, honestly, it was pretty close to audible in my head of, oh, that's cute. Uh, <laughs> so that was probably like four weeks ago. And ever since then, knowing that I was going to be preaching on fear and having that moment uh, with God of going, that's funny, you think you don't have fear. I have struggled putting this sermon together. Uh, I am an Enneagram 7, uh, I've said that before, which means that I do not enjoy emotion or sitting in emotion. I enjoy excitement, uh, but actual, like, negative emotions are real hard for me. Uh, one slide I skipped earlier uh, with fear is that there's three responses to fear. There's fight, flight, or freeze. And I've always thought I was a fighter. Because honestly, if there was something, like, if somebody were to attack me, I probably will punch you in the face. Uh, like, don't scare me because I might react in fight mode. Uh, however, what I've come to realize about myself over the last probably two years is I have a hardcore flight about me. To the point where, as I was trying to sit in this sermon and trying to avoid at all costs thinking about fear, but trying to allow myself to step into it, was like, I think I flight so bad to the point where even if I think there's some fear, I flee from even the thought of fear. I just avoid it. If I can anticipate fear coming, I avoid it and do something different. And that is where, like, this, like, talk, and as I've been sitting in on this for myself, 
I've been realizing, oh, where's my trust? Where is my faith in Jesus in all of this? And I know I absolutely have moments where I can step into that courage. I'm like, I know God's got this. And I can step in and be like, it's fine. It's good. God's got this. My dad has Parkinson's. We've talked about this before. I don't really have fear over that. There's some, but there is this, like, I truly do have the courage because I know God's in control. I truly believe that. But there's absolutely other things in my life. Fear of losing relationships. Fear of emotional pain. Ooh, I want to run. I'm not trusting in Jesus and trusting of who he says I am in those moments. And that is so, so hard for me to sit in. So I tell you this because I'm with you guys in this. If you have fear, you have moments where it controls you, I am right there in this. I don't have all the answers because I'm literally walking it myself right now. Now, another story, too, was actually this just happened last night. Uh, I I went to bed early because sermon uh, and had the Michigan game on in my bedroom, and I was trying to, like, wind down, and my husband was with my daughter in her room. I have a seven-year-old daughter, and all of a sudden, I heard her just crying, like crazy crying, and I was like, oh. I was like, ah, he's got this. Like, we'll just let, let John take care of it. It's good. And then she kept going and kept going, and I was like, honestly, a bit annoyed, uh, where I was like, oh, like, I got to get out of bed? Like, seriously? So I, I finally, I'm like, okay. So I get up, I come out of bed, and she's actually full-blown, like, freaking out. And I'm like, whoa, what is going on? And she's got her two stuffed animals. She walks into our hallway, and she collapses to the ground. And she's like, I'm having bad thoughts. And I'm like, oh. And we've, we've had this before, a little bit. But I was like, what are the bad thoughts? And she goes, I don't understand forever. What? I want to go to bed. Uh, <laughs> like, what are we doing here? Uh, so we're... We literally, I get down on my knees, and I'm in the hallway with her, and I'm like, honey, whoa. Uh, and as we were talking, like, this sermon, like, was right there. But how do you break it down to a seven-year-old? Uh, these are things that are not in a parenting book. Uh, but I'm sitting there, I'm like, honey, you, you have to trust that God's in control. And I know it's a hard thing to understand, but you've got to think about the things that are good in life and what God has given us. And yeah, nobody understands forever. Only God does. And I don't know that I did a great job at this, but at least calmed her down, uh, and she was able to go back to bed. But it got me thinking even more of like, man, I still have a ways to go in this journey. Like, I like to think I'm a courageous person, but there are definitely the moments where my faith is weak. It's little. Me of little faith. Because I've got to keep my eyes on Jesus. When I take them off just a little bit, try to do it on my own, I can tell, like, things start caving in around me. And so I just want to encourage you to step into that courage, to fix your eyes on Jesus, to gaze intently at him. There's one verse I want to share with you, too. This is in 2 Timothy. Uh, This is Paul writing. And he says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power love, and self-discipline. God has not given us a spirit of fear because we have him. We can rely on him and his power and have courage because of him.
So I want to leave you with three, three final thoughts. The first thing is, when you're experiencing fear, which we all do, I challenge you to step into that courage. Fix your eyes on Jesus and step into courage. Don't let fear consume you. The second thing is to walk with Jesus. And what I mean by that is allow him to be a part of your everyday life. It's not necessarily even just having like the morning moments and having the quiet times, which is great, or having it specifically at night. It's the everyday moments, constantly walking with Jesus. When you're driving the car, when you're doing whatever, when the things pop up, you're like, ooh, knowing that Jesus is right there with you, walking with Jesus. And then the final thing is live loved. And we talked about some of our core statements a few weeks ago, but one of these that ties in so well, live loved. What I mean by that is when you accept who you fully are as a believer and a child of God and know that he loves you more than you can even understand, when you know who you are and your identity is in Jesus and you're secure in that and you accept his love, nothing can waver you. Nothing, no fear is going to control you because you are going to be consumed and surrounded and permeated by the love of Jesus. And there's no fear in that. So as we wrap up service, uh, we're going to do something a little unique. Uh, we're going to have a little creative element. We've been doing something creative every week. And so today we're going to have uh, an interpretive dance. So Evan's going to come up and he's going to lead a, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 Sorry. Uh, <laughs> no, we are going to have an interpretive dance. And uh, the, I would encourage you, actually, uh, Aubrey Parker is going to come up, and she is actually going to be way better than Evan ever, ever be at this. Uh, but she's going to uh, do a dance for us to the song Sinking Deep. Uh, if you're like me, I love the visual of actually looking at lyrics as well, so I'd encourage you to maybe pull out your phone because we don't have our slides to have the lyrics. But if you want to check out the lyrics, it's called Sinking Deep by Hillsong Young and Free. And what this, this uh, song talks about is it's all about accepting the love of Jesus. And it'll even say the lines about there's no fear in that. And letting love sink in. Not letting fear sink in, but letting love of Jesus sink into your life. And how that controls and takes away the fear and the anxiety that we can sit with Jesus. So let's pray. Dear God, I just... Thank you so much for your love for each one of us. I thank you that you care so much about us, that even in our fears and our anxieties, that even when we have our moments of weakness or of little faith, that you are right there to say, hey, I'm still here. I just ask that you'll just help each of us as we struggle with our fears and our different things that might pop up in life to take steps into courage to look at you, to fix our eyes on Jesus, to trust you in your strength and your power and your love and that we can have courage in anything in life because of you. We love you, Jesus. In your name, amen.
morning, Faith Church. My name is Courtney, and I am one of the pastors here. Uh, it's interesting. I had somebody come up to me right before last service, and they were like, didn't this happen to you last time where there was no technology when you preached? And I was like, it sure did. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's a sign I'm not supposed to be doing this. Uh, Kirk won't take the memo. Uh, but here we are again. Uh, so we're kind of working with what we got, uh, but we're going to do our best here. So uh, I was actually originally excited to preach this Sunday because we got the extra hour of sleep, which was awesome. So I expect a lot of interaction because you guys should be bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. Uh, unless you have kids. Kids ruin the whole daylight savings thing. It's a fact. Uh, mine was up by like 6 a.m. Like, why? I don't know. So here we are. <laughs> Uh, if you have not been with us for the last several weeks, we have been going through a series about finding hope, and we have covered so many fun things. It's been just a joy to talk through things, things like pain, grief, worry, anxiety, guilt, shame, all those fun things, right? Uh, we've been talking about how we find hope in each of those, and as Ashley said today, we are going to be talking a little bit about finding hope in fear. So another fun topic. You guys ready for this? <laughs> uh, yes, fantastic. Thank you. Woo! There's somebody who enjoyed the hour of sleep. Uh, <laughs> uh, so as I was thinking about this, uh, it hit me just like, I think it was yesterday, honestly, where I was thinking through like where have I experienced fear in my own life. And a memory came back to me from when I was a young kid. Uh, I was probably five or six years old is my guess. And I remember we got a video from the library, a VHS, for those of you that are older in the room. Uh, and it was, uh, it was one of those like fairy tale series. Um, I can't even tell you who put it out. Uh, but we were watching it and it was Little Red Riding Hood. You know how like the little girl and like grandma and the wolf like takes the grandma and then uh, all this stuff happens and whatnot. So, but the crazy thing is I knew the story of Little Red Riding Hood. But this was the first time I'd seen anything where it was acted out by actual people. And so it was a, a movie of Little Red Riding Hood, but actual people. So it was a little more realistic. And at the very end, I remember, like, the grandma comes back or whatever, and the wolf, they figure out that it's the wolf, and the wolf runs away. And the wolf, the wolf runs away down the path back into the woods. And he just disappears. And that was the end of the movie. That's terrifying, guys. The wolf's still out there. Uh, <laughs> so I've, in my brain, I literally went to bed that night, and I was truly terrified to the point where for, this is so embarrassing, for years I had to sleep with my back to my window in case the wolf would jump in through the window. Apparently if my back's to it, it won't hurt me. If I'm looking at it, I'm dead meat. Uh, I don't know the logic behind it. It was literally, guys, probably till I was like 12 or 13 that I could finally like just be like, okay, it's fake. The wolf's not actually going to jump through my window in Hudsonville, Michigan. Uh, but to this day, I actually still sleep on my right side just because it came a, became a habit. Not because I am scared of a wolf, but it actually became a thing. That was one of my earliest memories of like fear and how it just crippled me. And I think if we're being honest, we all have that sense of fear, right? We know that feeling that fear brings, that elevated heart rate, the heavier breathing, the sweating, the agitation. We've all at some point experienced what fear feels like. 
So as I was preparing for this sermon, one of the things that I love to do is I like to do research. It's a thing. And especially I love figuring out what makes people work, how do they tick, uh, what gets people feeling certain things and why. And so what I did was I actually jumped into the world of psychology and found a bunch of articles and read and read and read of what is fear and how does it all operate into the brain and all the things. I will not bore you with all of those details, but I do want to highlight a few things that I learned along my way in the studies of fear. The first thing is fear is normal. We all have fear. Fear is a very normal thing. In fact, we are like born with a sense of fear. It is an emotion that we all have. Fear is one of the most common and powerful emotions that we all experience. As I was telling somebody that I was going to preach this message about fear, they actually, this person came back and said, oh, like, we're not supposed to have fear. If, we, if we're Christians, we shouldn't have fear at all. And I went, ooh, false, right? Like, we, we don't have to live in fear, but God gave us the emotion of fear. Why? Because fear is a protector. It protects us from things. If we're walking down a dark alley and we see something, fear is there to say, hey, maybe take a different route. Right? We have a protector for us. It is a good thing to have fear. The thing is, fear is a protector, but fear is also a destroyer. When we have fear control us, especially when we have it like a defense to like emotional pain, where it becomes crippling to us, then fear can destroy us. And so that's a little bit of the thing about fear is it either protects or it destroys. And when we experience fear, you guys have probably all heard this before, we have three reactions or responses to fear. The three things are fight, flight, or freeze. We all have this. So some of us have phobias of like snakes, spiders, small spaces. All of us have some sort of probably little thing. And so what is your response? You're going to fight, or you're going to flight, or you're going to freeze and not do anything. So as I was doing the research and all of this stuff with fear, uh, one thing stood out to me, and it was, what's the healthy response to fear? Courage. Every article, Christian or not, talked about courage, and that is the healthy response to fear. And as I was reading, one of the articles actually said what, this thing, and it's, it's so simple, but it was mind-blowing to me. Like, truly mind-blowing. And I'm going to read it to you in a second, and you guys are going to be like, wow, you're an idiot. Uh, duh. But it is, to some reason, I had never thought of it like this before. The thing about courage. Courage cannot exist without fear. Courage cannot exist without fear. It goes back to that thing that fear itself is not bad. We all want to be courageous, right? There's all of us want to be like, hey, I'm not controlled by fear. I have courage. And you can't have courage if you aren't initially feeling that fear. So then as I was thinking through this whole talk about fear, I was going, where do I want to go with this? What do I want to talk about? And I landed on courage. So then I was thinking, I was like, okay, where in the Bible do we see courage? So I hopped on my computer, and I did what every good pastor does, Googled it. Uh, where, courage in the Bible. And guys, it's everywhere, right? Like if you think about it, there is so much courage from Genesis to Revelation. 
Here's a few examples of courage in the Bible. We have Moses leading the Israelites out of slavery. Joshua taking over from Moses. Deborah going into battle. David and Goliath. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Daniel in the lion's den. Esther. And then Jesus confronting religious leaders, healing people, calming storms, facing his death. The Bible is literally chock full of examples of people that showed courage when they trusted God. It's incredible. So then I was going, okay, so where do I want to go with us today? And I had kind of landed on, I wanted to talk about uh, the book of Joshua. Because multiple times it talks about, don't be afraid, have courage. And I sat on that for probably about a week and a half. And then Wednesday, I came here to work on my sermon. And I was sitting in my office and all of a sudden had this, like, feeling, this Holy Spirit moment, I guess you could say, of, yeah, you're not getting that one. I was like, oh, yeah, what are we doing then? Like, what, what's, what's happening here? Uh, and a story came to me from the New Testament, an encounter of Jesus and a guy named Peter. So we're going to jump in today. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 14, of uh, an encounter of Jesus with some of his disciples, but specifically Peter. So Matthew 14, verse 22. Here's what it says. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. We got to stop right there because you need context to what's happening. You'll see that it started off with immediately. So what happened before this? Right before we pick up in today's passage, Jesus had just fed 5,000 people. He was out preaching and there was a huge, huge crowd that came out to hear him preach. And during that time, the people started getting hungry and Jesus got loaves and fishes, just a few of them, blessed them and ended up feeding over 5,000 people. And so the disciples then gathered up the extras and all this had happened, it's done. And then Jesus insisted that his disciples get into a boat and go across the other side of the lake. All right, so that's what's happened. All these people, Jesus tells them to go back into the boat and cross the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage, I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshipped him. You really are the son of God, they exclaimed. So I want to set the stage here a little bit for you. Like, what all just happened there? So we have Jesus just fed 5,000 people. He's been surrounded by a multitude. And this is the one part I love about Jesus is that his introvertness kicks in. Like, I love that part. Like, yay, I love people, but also now I need some alone time. I can relate. So Jesus goes off alone and sends the disciples to cross the water. So they're in their boat on the lake. 
While Jesus is alone, kind of recovering, getting some soul care, a storm picks up on the lake. And the disciples are start going, oh no, what's happening? Now, another thing you need to know is this is not the disciples' first rodeo with a storm. Now, most of them are actually master fishermen, so they know exactly what to do in the case of the storm. I have no clue what all that means. I just, I would panic if I was in a boat. I'd be like, ah, what do you guys do? I don't know. But they knew exactly what to do. However, they had something very similar like this happen to them back in Matthew chapter 8. They were also on a boat together, and a huge storm hit. But this time, Jesus was on the boat with them. And so they woke Jesus up and like, Jesus, oh no, we're going down. And Jesus was like, whoa. And he actually uses the same phrasing. He says, you have little faith. And then he gets up and he calms the storm. So this time around, they're back again in the boat, but no Jesus. A storm hits. They're doing all the things they know that they're supposed to do to help steady the ship. And there's no Jesus around, though. So I'd imagine they're feeling a little extra fear. And then it tells us in the passage that it's 3 o'clock in the morning. So if you can imagine, I would, I would think they've been battling the storm for a while. They're tired. They're afraid. And they look out in the horizon, and they see something, someone, a shape. And they're going, what in the world? And it says that they freaked out that it was a ghost. We don't know exactly what they might have thought that was for sure. But they saw something they don't know what it is. So again, added fear. And then Jesus speaks to them. He's like, don't be afraid. It's me. And then Peter. I love Peter. Peter is the guy, the disciple that just acts. Like he, he has a thought and then he's doing it and he's like, oh, okay, what did I just do? Uh, but I love that about Peter. He was the first to take action almost always. And so Peter sees it, hears Jesus and says, Jesus, if it's really you, call me out to you. And Jesus is like, yeah, come on, Peter. So Peter goes and he takes that step onto the waves, into the wind, and he starts walking on water. But the thing is, Peter is zeroed in on Jesus. He's completely looking at Jesus while he's walking. And then at some point, whether it's the waves, the storm, whatever it is, Jesus takes his eyes off Jesus. And what happens? He begins to sink. He let his fear overtake him. He took his eyes off of Jesus and he begins to sink into the water but then thankfully Jesus is right there and he's like Lord save me and Jesus takes his hand and pulls him up out of the water and then Jesus says to him why did you doubt me you have little faith when I first read that I was kind of like oh it's kind of harsh like is Jesus talking down to Peter here but then I got thinking about it. I was like no that's not really what's happening he's saying Peter you have such great faith but you let that fear take away a little bit of it like you are right there because then I got thinking about the other disciples that were still in the boat where's their faith Peter was the one who actually had faith he had the courage to walk out towards Jesus but then he just let that little bit keep him from it so here's the thing Peter's courage was focused on Jesus he found his courage through Jesus once he knew that this is Jesus, this is the Son of God. This is the guy that I've seen feed 5,000 people just earlier the other day. This is the guy that I've seen heal, like, blind people. I've seen him do so many things. Peter saw Jesus and said, I can do this. I have courage. 
he found his courage in focusing on Jesus. But then Peter let his fear become a a destroyer of his faith. When he took his eyes off of Jesus, the source of his courage, it began to destroy his faith a little bit. And thankfully, Jesus was right there to pick him up out of the water and say, hey, hey, it's okay. So then as I was thinking about this story and Peter and the disciples, and then I was thinking about who are the disciples? These were people, Jewish men, that had been raised knowing the Bible, forward and backward. They were taught it from the time they were a young age. They were taught the Old Testament. They knew it so, so well. They knew the stories of faith, the stories of courage. And so Peter was able to have this faith in Jesus because he knew who God was from the stories. And if you look in the Old Testament, there are so many stories and promises of God about having faith and overcoming fear. God promises that he will give us courage multiple times in the Old Testament. I would actually encourage you to spend some time researching that and looking it up because there are so many verses on it. But I want to highlight a couple of things that show us how we can have faith to overcome fear. The first one, as I mentioned earlier, was actually from Joshua. Uh, When Joshua overtook the leadership role from Moses, Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt and into what was going to be the promised land. But then some things happened where Moses was not able to do that. But he was the one who actually led them out of slavery. And they went into the wilderness for 40 years. And Moses is this great, incredible leader. And then God looks at Moses and says, yeah, you're not going to lead them into the promised land. But Joshua, you're up. And can you imagine Joshua? And going, oh, talk about some big shoes to fill. He's got to step into Moses' shoes, the guy who literally led millions of people out of slavery. And now it's Joshua's turn to take over. And so multiple times, I think it was something like five or six times in like two chapters, we see something very, very similar to this where God's talking to Joshua and to the Israelites. But here's what he says. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. What an incredible promise. And yeah, that was to the Israelites then, but that is the God that is still with us today. That promise is still with us, that he will always be with us wherever we go. We don't have to be afraid. We can step in to courage. Another verse from the Old Testament, it's actually two verses that are very similar to each other, is found in the book of Isaiah. And I was talking to a friend, a very dear friend of mine, earlier this week, I think it was like Thursday-ish or so, and we were talking, and this is a friend who has had a very, very rough year. Uh, She has had five surgeries in the last year relating to heart and to cancer and has done chemo and radiation. It's been two different things. It's just been a whirlwind, horrible, horrible year. She's doing well now, but it's been so tough. So I was talking to her. She's like, what are you preaching on? I was like, fear. And she was like, well, that reminds me of one of my favorite verses. And it's from Isaiah chapter 41. Here's what God says to the people then. He says, don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. For I hold you by your right hand, I, the Lord your God, and I say to you, don't be afraid. I am here to help you. I love that verse 13. I've got you by your right hand. I'm here to help you. God is literally holding our hand, much like he grabbed Peter's hand. 
He is holding us and can give us the courage to overcome our fear. He is with us all the time. So what? So what does this mean for us here in Lansing right now? What does it mean for you today? As I was thinking through this, uh, I got picturing, I, I love when I read like stories of Jesus stuff, I actually like visualize it. I put myself in the shoes. It's a weird thing. I don't know. But I actually like visualize what's happening. And so as Peter's stepping out of the boat, I picture him locking eyes with Jesus. And then the phrase, fix your eyes on Jesus, popped into my head. And that took me to one of my favorite passages of scripture, which is in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 12. And the writer of Hebrews in chapter 11, before he gets to this part, actually goes through an entire passage of all these examples in the Old Testament of people who had faith and overcame their fear. People like Abraham, Joseph, Moses. It's just this huge list. And so then he kind of concludes it by saying this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of, huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. I love this part here where it says, keeping your eyes on Jesus. In the NIV, it says, fix your eyes on Jesus. And that, that phrase, keep your eyes or fixing your eyes, it means to gaze intently. It's not just a quick like, oh, yep, Jesus is in the room. I'm good to go. It's actually this gazing intently. And I think most of us can relate to that. You understand when somebody's actually looking at you. Not just a quick glance, but actually gazing gazing intently. It's where you feel seen. And that is what the author of Hebrews is saying. He's saying, gaze intently at Jesus. Keep your focus solely on him. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Now, I will tell you guys, uh, as we were getting around this sermon and the series and everything, I was a last-minute add-on to the series. Uh, it was one of those things, I was sitting in Kirk's office, and we were talking, and he was like, wait, when do you preach again? And I was like, I don't know. Uh, and he looked at me, he's like, whoa, you got a while. And so he actually, like, took out the eraser, my, actually, it's on the computer, but it's more fun if you pretend it's an eraser, uh, scratched it out, put me in. And I was like, oh, okay, that's happening. And then on top of that, we everybody else had already picked their topics for finding hope in whatever. And so he was going, so what do you want to talk about? I'm like, oh, hmm, I don't know. And so we started brainstorming ideas of what would I want to talk about. And I threw a couple out there, but nothing was super great. And Kirk was like, what about fear? And I went, oh, that's a good one. Like, there's verses on that. And then I went, yeah, I, I could do fear. And in my head, I went, I mean, that's good, but it's not something I struggle with. And I went, hmm. Uh, and I was going, I'll, I'll have to talk to a few people. And in that moment, I felt the Holy Spirit, it was a near audible voice in my head, go, <laughs> that's cute. <laughs> you think you don't struggle with fear? Like, that's nice. And I, I had this moment going, oh, shoot, what did I just do? <laughs> right? So then I, that was about three or four weeks ago. And so I've been sitting on this, knowing I have this 
fear conversation in sermon to talk about. But also knowing I do avoid fear at all cost. And so this has been an extra rough, like, talk for me to get into because I've not wanted to step into my own fear in this. So I talked earlier about fight, flight, or fight, flight, freeze. There we go. Uh, I would love to say that I'm a fighter. Uh, if, if you try to surprise me around a corner, it's a good possibility I'm probably going to punch you in the face. Uh, so don't recommend it. So, but as a whole, when it comes to, like, emotional pain or any other fear, I have been realizing the last two years I am 100% a flight. To the point where, as I've sat in this and spent time with God, I've realized I flight so bad that if I even sense any hint of fear, I just turn and go the other way. I don't engage it at all. So fear doesn't have control of me because I have no fear because I avoid the fear, which means I actually do have a lot of fear. You guys check that? Uh, so I tell you this to tell you, like, I am I'm right here in this, this talk, this sermon. I don't have it all figured out. I'm not living it out perfectly. But I do know the answer. And the answer is courage through Jesus. And Paul, in 2 Timothy, he actually says this. He says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. I find so much encouragement in that. That God has not given us a spirit of fear. We don't need to let fear control us. We need to step into it and have courage. And it has been a rough week, but I've, it's been opening my eyes to certain things. There are some things in my life that I absolutely, truly believe and trust God in. I've told you guys a little while ago that my dad has Parkinson's disease. I can truly say, yes, there's moments of fear, but it does not control me because I know God's got a plan. And God's absolutely in control of that. He's got my dad in his hands. I do have a peace about that. But then there's other things like, man, loss of relationships, other emotional things that raise their head. I just avoid at all cost because I'm so fearful of how it might play out. And an example, too, this is how, how God works. Uh, last night, I went to bed early. Uh, and I was like, okay, I've got the Michigan game out of my room. I'm just going to unwind. And then I'll just sleep and get my extra hour of sleep. It's going to be great. So I'm laying in bed and trying to calm down, get some sleep, and I hear crying. And I have a seven-year-old daughter, and I can hear her, hear her crying, and I'm like, ugh, but I know my husband's right there. I'm like, ah, he's got it. Well, the crying continues, and I'm going, ugh, like, I don't want to get up. I'm like, he's got this. And it continued. I'm going, are you kidding me? Right, so I finally, like, get up, like, okay, I guess I got to go figure out what's going on. I walk out into the hallway, and she is having a full-blown meltdown. Like, she's hysterical. And I'm like, whoa, like, what is going on? And she has her two stuffed animals. She's walked out into the hallway, and she's actually collapsed to the ground. And she's, ah. she's like, I'm having bad thoughts. I'm like, whoa, okay, like, what are we, like, what's going on? And she goes, I'm having bad thoughts because I don't understand forever. Oh. <laughs> right? Like, I just want to go to bed and watch Michigan play. Like, that's all I want to do tonight. So I get down on my knees with her, and I'm like, wow. Okay, how do we break this down for a seven-year-old? Uh, but I thought it was just, in a way, kind of funny how God works. 
because here I've been talking about fear and working through it myself and all this sermon, and I was able to sit down and just be like, honey, you don't have to be afraid of forever. Like, we don't understand it. Nobody understands it. Only God does. But we have to trust him and trust that he loves us and cares for us. Now, she's seven. I don't know what she got and what she didn't. Uh, and I'm sure I didn't handle it perfectly because there's that part of the parenting book chapter was not in my book, at least, that I got. But she was able to at least calm down, and then she went back to bed. And I was thinking about it when I went back to bed going, whoa, there's just another layer for me of do I really believe that? Do I really trust that in all aspects of my life? Can I truly say I'm focused on Jesus and can have courage in everything in life because of that focus? So my challenge for you guys is kind of three things here. The first thing is when you feel that fear, which we all have, and it's okay, but when you feel fear, to step into the courage. Step into it. Don't let the fear control you. Step into courage and walk with Jesus. And what I mean by that is not just your quiet times, not just the time that you set aside in the morning or in the afternoon or in the evening. What I mean by this is walking with Jesus in every aspect of your life, allowing him in to all of the feelings, all the emotions, all the ups and downs that happen in a single day, knowing Jesus is right there with you, holding your right hand. Walk with Jesus in everything you do. And then the last thing is to live loved. We talked about this phrase several weeks ago. It's one of our key phrases, one of our key points that values that we want to have here at Faith Church. But what I mean by this is to allow yourself to truly accept the love of Jesus. Because in his love and in his grace and in his mercy, there is no fear that can control you. We don't have to live in fear if we truly accept the love of Jesus. When we look at him and gaze into his eyes and know you love me for who I am and how I am, fear has no place in there. So live loved. Now, every week in the series, we've been doing kind of a creative element. We've had some creative readings. We had last week, Lisi was doing a drawing. Today, we are going to end with a creative piece, and it's going to be an interpretive dance. So Pastor Evan's going to come on up, and he's going to lead us in an interpretive dance. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, we really are going to have an interpretive dance, but by somebody much more talented. Uh, Aubrey Proctor, Kirk's daughter, is actually going to come up and do an interpretive dance for us. And she's going to do it to a song. And the song is called Sinking Deep by Hillsong Young and Free. Uh, if you have that QR code where we had our lyrics, the lyrics to the song are actually on there too. If you're like me, I like to actually see the lyrics. But what the song is going to talk about is when you are surrounded by God's love, when you sit in his grace, when you sit in his mercy, that all fear fades away. That we can truly live a full and free life when we let his love sink in and not fear sink in. So I'm going to pray and then Aubrey will come on up. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you so much for your love and for your grace. I thank you that you care for us, even in our moments of weakness, even when we have little faith, you are still right there, that you hold us by our right hand, that we don't have to be controlled by fear, that you are always caring for us and loving us and caring for us for who we are and how we are. 
We love you, Jesus. In your name, amen. Amen.